morning. Welcome to Kobe Union Church on this Palm Sunday. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I am Claudia Janung, the lead pastor at Kobe Union Church, and we are so happy you can join us today. This is Palm Sunday. I'd like to also make a few announcements. We have a care team ministry, and if you have needs, we invite you to contact the church office or one of the pastors to let us know if you have any needs that we can help you with. Or if you would like to be on the care team ministry to help with things like phoning people, translation, buying groceries, whatever needs come up, um, please also contact us as well. We do have a button on the website, Need of Prayer, so you're invited at any moment during this service to push on that button and send a prayer. You can do that any time during the week as well, and we will be in prayer for the concerns that you have raised. So we will continue to worship the Lord. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Psalm 118, a song of victory. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteousness shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you. O Lord, O Lord, we beseech you. Give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. He has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will exalt you. I will give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Good morning. This is today's scripture. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 11, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Unto them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the fall of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. 
They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Will you please join with me for a moment of prayer? Almighty God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer, our comforter and our friend. Amen. So I'd like for you to take a moment, if you will, and imagine the scene. Jesus Christ on that first bright and sunny Palm Sunday riding majestically into town on the back of his donkey, coming in through the main gate of the city, head held high while the expectant crowds cry out in celebration, laying palm branches before him as a sign of respect and admiration. Sure, the ministry of Christ has had some tough times, and fair warning, there's more to come, but in this moment, he is triumphant. He is resplendent. He is king. <sighs> Isn't that a great image? The Messiah triumphant, recognized and revered by all around him, celebrated and welcomed. Uh, it makes the heart sing just to think about it. Of course, it's a complete fiction. It's just not true. Nearly everything I just said about that first Palm Sunday was completely and totally wrong. Don't believe me? Let's look at the text. Today's text starts with Jesus and the disciples acquiring a donkey and its foal. And once they have that, the disciples lay their coats on the donkey to give Jesus a more comfortable ride because, as you might not know, donkeys aren't especially comfortable to ride. So as they start their ride towards the city, a crowd begins to gather along the way. And it's important for us to take just a moment to realize what kind of people are in this crowd. When the palms come out and the hosannas go up, Jesus hasn't even entered the city yet. That part is yet to come. So the people gathering here to shout, Hosanna to the Son of David! The people respectfully tossing foliage onto the road in honor of Jesus, these are most likely not the relatively wealthy, affluent, comfortable people living or staying inside the city walls. 
Now, this was around the time of the Passover when the city and its surrounding area were just packed with people. And it had been steadily filling for days, if not weeks, by this point. So the people inside the city are by now mostly wealthy and powerful people, those who could afford to come to Jerusalem early or those who already lived in the city to begin with. But these people outside the walls, these people who are laying down their cloaks out of respect, these are most likely travelers along the Pilgrim Road, trying to get as close to the city as they can for the Passover. People who couldn't afford to beat the rush, but still wanted to be in a holy place for the holiday. There are also, very likely, a good number of people in this crowd who live outside the walls. The poor, the hungry, the disabled, and the outcast. People who, for one reason or another, aren't really able to get a spot in the city, either today or any other day. People who probably didn't have a spare cloak to fetch after they laid it down under a donkey. So these are the sort of people who are calling, Hosanna in the highest heaven as Jesus passes by. These are the people who are so very excited to see him. People who have already grasped that this is the Messiah and they have come to show him his due. So, Jesus passes through these crowds and comes into the city through the main gate. Well, not really the main gate so much. That gate's where all the rich and powerful had come together to watch the great parade, the amazing welcome being given to Governor Pontius Pilate and his Roman support team arriving in great and powerful Roman splendor so they could oversee the holiday and make sure that there wasn't any trouble. No, <laughs> troublemaker that he was, Jesus was not making it anywhere near there. Instead, as tradition holds, he entered through one of the back gates, the Golden Gate, which was later bricked over because it wasn't used all that much. Okay, so not what we expected. That's still okay. When he gets into the city, right, that's when, that's when the Hosannas really take off, yeah? Not really. Let's look at verse 10. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking who is this? The people in the city recognized, of course, that Jesus got this strong reception outside the walls. Some may even have heard about him in general terms. But no one inside the city, no one among the wealthy, powerful, privileged people of central Jerusalem society, none of them really knew who he was. The reaction in the city basically boiled down to, Jesus who? All right, of course, once we move past Palm Sunday and Jesus gets to work in the city, well, then that's when people start to realize. That's when he starts preaching love and peace and working miracles and generally being the sort of calm, uplifting figure we all remember, right? Well, our passage today ends at verse 11, but why don't we just kind of peek ahead a little bit, see what comes next. All right, verse 12. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Ooh, I know that story. 
When we see that in the Gospel of John, it paints an even stronger picture. You see Jesus doing this with a big old whip. So we have this rabbi, relatively unknown amongst the rich and powerful of Jerusalem, largely unheard of in the temple scene, but celebrated by the poor and the oppressed outside the city. He shows up like some kind of entitled ruler and immediately starts literally kicking butt in the temple. This is not the Jesus we expected. This isn't the Palm Sunday we expected. This is an apocalypse. Now, before you get too worried by that word, I want to take just a moment and explain exactly what an apocalypse really is. For a lot of us, when we hear the word apocalypse, we think sudden and immediate end of the world in death and fire and war and flame. We imagine asteroid impacts and nuclear war, the second coming, and big dramatic things like that. But the word apocalypse is actually a softer and somewhat more general word than that. An apocalypse, because there can be more than one. An apocalypse isn't a moment that ends the world or society permanently or completely. An apocalypse is more like a dramatic turning point. Something which was probably already present in society for a while anyway, is introduced to the world in such a way that it completely, fundamentally changes the environment and makes it impossible for the world to continue to function as it has, even as that world continues trying to function anyway. <coughs> An apocalypse is the breaking of existing systems, the breaking of our understandings about each other and the world. It isn't necessarily sudden or dramatic at all. Sometimes it takes time. But it is a turning point, something after which we just cannot go back to the way things used to be. So an apocalypse isn't like experiencing a sudden and terrifying nightmare. It's more like waking up or being woken up from the nightmare that reality and society had already become for so many. Everything about Jesus' arrival into the city, everything about Palm Sunday is this kind of apocalypse. From the donkey to the cleansing of the temple, every step through Palm Sunday's story is specifically and deliberately contradicting the forces of wealth and privilege and power. I mean, why do we have Jesus coming on a donkey and a female donkey at that with foal in tow? Is it just because Zechariah predicted it? Or does this have as much to do with the apocalyptic contrast? That contrast between Pontius Pilate riding in on his gigantic war horse, this epic stallion befitting a Roman military commander and governor surrounded by soldiers and the like, all on similarly strong and powerful animals, while at the same time Christ Jesus promised Messiah, comes in the back gate, heralded only by the poor, 
riding not some great and magnificent beast, but this small female donkey, probably a nursing mother with her colt trailing alongside behind her. It's an apocalypse, all right, but not the apocalypse you might have been expecting. A friend of mine on Facebook this week posted an image that honestly was really, really funny, but something about it has kind of stuck with me for a little while now. Now, this image was a combination of two pictures put side by side. On the left, we had a picture of some leather-bound, gun-toting movie hero from one of those great American post-apocalyptic movies or TV shows like a Mad Max or The Walking Dead or something like that. It, it wasn't one I was familiar with, but there's a certain sort of awesome post-apocalyptic hero type you can kind of recognize when you see it. And this was definitely that. And so on the top of this picture, it had a caption that read, The Apocalypse I Expected. And on the right-hand side, was a completely different image. This one was just some random woman, maybe in her 30s or 40s, in sweatpants and a bathrobe, sitting on her couch, while a few kids, presumably hers, bounced around like crazy people. And the caption on this side read, the apocalypse I got. <laughs> now, I have to admit, I laughed a little too hard at that. But there is some real truth to that if we're being honest. Let's make no mistake about this. What we're going through now, not just as a local community, not just as a country, but as an entire human family, is most definitely a kind of apocalypse. This time last year, most of us believed that dropping everything to care for the poor and the sick and the weakest among us was a good idea, in theory, but not very practical. This time last year, many of us considered nurses and other healthcare workers to be kind of important, but not enough to make really sure they're totally taken care of. This time last year, many of us believed that truck drivers, grocery store workers, delivery drivers, and teachers were nice, all right, but not really essential, or in some cases, even deserving of a basic living wage for their work. This time last year, many of us, especially here in Japan, thought of nursing mothers as kind of like the nursing donkey in today's scripture. Something that exists, sure, but not super important. Not something that phones the real backbone of our society. Well, <laughs> just ask any parent in this country today how they're feeling about those mothers now. The mothers of our society, so long set aside and ignored here in Japan, boy, they have stepped up in a big way, not only stepping in to take care of the complete education for all of their kids at once, but handling the logistics of household management, finding supplies, and keeping everyone around them both super clean and socially separated, and in that way, they are literally saving the world. This is not the apocalypse we expected. Our sinful and twisted expectations had us looking for an apocalypse of fire and death and war, where men of power could rise up and take charge of the situation and, with 
force and determination save the day. It still has us looking to governments, to prime ministers and presidents and corporations and individuals of wealth and power and privilege to save us. That's the apocalypse we expected. But the one we got was the apocalypse of Christ, who did not come to hand authority to those already in power. He didn't come into the temple to congratulate or to humbly ask the men in leadership for their help. We got the apocalypse of a Savior heralded by crowds of sick, suffering, and poor, and oppressed who were crying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! All the while, those sitting comfortably in the city ask, who's this guy? We got ourselves an apocalypse of nursing mothers and their kids as first chosen of the Messiah. My friends, I'd love nothing more than to stand here today and tell you that in time, everything's going to get back to normal. I'd love to tell you that schools are going to reopen, businesses will resume as usual, every pew in this building is going to be full, and this terrifying, radical change is going to come to an end. It would be a very comforting message, certainly. But it just wouldn't be the message of Christ. Christ comes to us as an apocalypse of love. When we align ourselves with Christ, when we choose to follow the Savior, we are making the choice to step out of the city walls, to set aside privilege and power so we too can cry, Hosanna for the one who comes in the name of God Most High. When we give ourselves to Jesus, we make the choice not to be among the rich and the powerful, not to be among the Shammai Pharisees and other religious leaders who see Christ before them, surrounded by the weak and the outcast, asking, who's this guy? My friends, let's look inward. Let's examine the deepest reaches of our hearts and ask ourselves if we truly know who this guy is. If we can ask that question of ourselves, if we can take the time to see the things in ourselves which, just like the walls of Jerusalem, stand between us and Jesus, if we can step out from behind those walls, lay down all those things that stop us from feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, and, perhaps most importantly now, doing everything we can to care for the sick. If we can do that, then he will say to us, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You see, this is Christ's message in Palm Sunday, as simple as it is powerful. An apocalypse does not have to be the end of the world. If you're in line with Jesus, if you are a servant of the Savior, friend to the downtrodden and the oppressed, caretaker of creation, beloved of God, then the change Jesus brings isn't necessarily going to be destructive for you. It's an opportunity, a chance to live out the faith we claim, to take that self-reflection, that deep dive into our souls, and put what we find there to use. 
building God's newer and better kingdom in the world. It's a chance to step out into a broken world and be the church of the one who redeems and rebuilds. Not just a group who gathers in a pretty sanctuary or does nonprofit business work in and around the community. It's a chance to be the hands and feet of God in this community and in the world. We are called to be children of God in service to the one who saves all, forgives all, and loves all. That is a great way to ride out an apocalypse, if you ask me. So, good and faithful servants of God, let us come together to help. There's a lot we can do to help those in need right now. One good easy way is to join up with the new care team ministry, uh, which is being headed up by Pastor Claudia. You can make masks, you can help people get groceries, you can share resources, you can pray for people who are struggling with this new and changing world, or you can just skip going out. Focus on social distancing. Do what you can. <coughs> Excuse me. Do what you can to sterilize, sanitize, and keep this virus from getting any more out of hand. Just this week, we have seen people in our community start stepping up to help. And through that, we are already seeing God's grace and mercy being written across our community and our hearts. So let's join together as God's fellowship of love united in service of that donkey-riding Messiah, leaning into this unexpected apocalypse together, ready to help, to serve, and to love, all while crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen and amen.